this is this is gonna sound incredibly shady. <laughs> I'm very, very sorry. Hello everybody, we're back. This is gonna be a slight bonus, shorter episode. We have a lot to say about this topic, and we're gonna be talking about law school admissions and law school admissions coaches. I'm Sophia. I'm Brianne. And this is the In Laws Podcast. Welcome. Welcome. This topic actually really gets me going. So we've we've talked about this before, just like casually. Law school coaches, law school application coaches, they're so unnecessary. An explanation of what law school coaches and law school admissions or application coaches, they're essentially these people who will charge you either a flat fee or an hourly rate to give you advice about what to include in your law school admissions, or they will like edit your personal statements. And that seems, I think to an outsider that might seem like normal, but it's not. It's not a necessary service. Like you, you don't need to be using these people to do well or to get accepted into many law schools. Yeah, and I think my issue with a lot of them is they, kind of regurgitate the same information that all of us on Law Talk are supplying for free. For free. For free, out of the kindness of our own hearts. Um, Because listen, like the law school application cycle, it's really confusing. And there can be a lot of like, what do I include on the resume? Like, what should my personal statement be about? What are cliches I should avoid in my personal statement? And I can understand wanting a second opinion, but that information is out there for free. Everywhere. Like, I I think it's to the point where people think that there is some magic formula that exists out in the universe that is going to, like, cinch their law school applications. And I think people need to step back and realize that every single person that is applying to law school has to prove the same interest and the interest is that you belong at that school so what you need to focus on is what about you says i'm dedicated to this i want to do this i'm the right person for this and unique stuff about yourself because if you're going in like every other bitch they're going to be like okay we only have x amount of spots for a bitch like everybody else so you really have to think about like is what you're even writing worth it? And I mean, I think you should think everything about yourself is has worth, you know, but you can't just be writing like, I love to argue, um, so I went to law school. Ah. Oof. <laughs> yeah, I think I got a good insight to this because I was um, in my undergrads pre-law society on the board talking to a lot of we talked to a lot of admissions counselors. I don't know what they're called at different schools, the people who do admissions. And I would always ask them like, what's your pet peeve? And girl, I'm telling you, they would hate law talk because their pet peeve was bringing up L Woods. They said no L Woods, no arguing. They said they, I, I heard probably from three or four of them, like, please do not mention legally blonde in your personal statement because there are thousands of girls out there that want to go to law school because 
they saw Legally Blonde. I've seen it one time and I was like, okay, moving on. I like it. I just don't like it as like a realistic portrayal of anything or like yeah. any deep content. Mm-mm. Especially not to get into school that you're going to be dedicated to for three years. That's going to set you up for a literal career. Right. So I think when it comes to that stuff, the biggest thing is like, you just don't need a coach. You don't need to be paying someone for it. There are lots of resources on your undergrads campus, online, on TikTok that you can use. And my my bigger issue with it is that I think it's very exploitative of low-income people of color. Yeah, especially Um, people that have nobody to even slightly direct them. Exactly, because the people who know lawyers have lawyers in their family, their parents are lawyers, they get all this information for free. So these coaches are really just relying, their entire clientele are these like first-generation students who are like low-income people of color. Mm -hmm. It's very much a situation where they get people that don't know any better because they're not in a position to know any better. And I mean, at like the worst extent, it's extremely predatory. Yes. I also think, I think this applies to LSAT coaches too. The individualized LSAT coaches, I think they do prey on people who like don't really know what they're doing. And I also think there's nothing that qualifies someone to be a law school admissions coach or an LSAT coach, right? Just because you got into a certain school or you got a certain score doesn't mean you can teach other people to do the same thing. Literally, because you're the one that did that. That person that you're helping is not you. And my biggest, my biggest pet peeve is like, People will be like, well, I took my diagnostic LSAT and I scored a 155 and then I got a 172 on the LSAT. And it's like, what did, what did you do? You probably took a class. You probably took a class that is manufactured by one of these companies who has a lot more insider knowledge than you do. Also, I just, I don't really think that getting an extremely high score just automatically means that you're knowledgeable. And I think people operate under the assumption that it does, that because this person was able to do so well, that must mean they know exactly what they're talking about. Right. All the tips and tricks, they must have done everything right and accomplished it. I can tell you. I hate, I, I don't really talk about my LSAT score that often. I think it's really obnoxious when people who are in law school talk about their LSAT score. My diagnostic test, logical reasoning takes up half of that test. I got one logical reasoning question wrong. Does that mean I can teach anyone how to take logical reasoning? No. You know how I did that? I took syllogistic logic in undergrad. That is a computer science class. I was like, I'm not paying for LSAT prep. What do I need to do for free? (laughs) And I took a syllogistic logic class. 
And I couldn't tell you anything about syllogistic logic right now. I mean, it paid off for what it needed to pay off for. It did it. But I, that doesn't that doesn't mean I can teach someone. Doesn't mean I should be charging someone for my expertise. Literally, or telling people take a syllogistic logic class. Right. Just take it. You'll do great. Right. Like I don't. Also, I did not do that well on logic games or reading comprehension. <laughs> so like, my score is really logical reasoning heavy. <laughs> Logical reasoning carried. It did. It carried. And I should not be trusted to teach anyone logic games. No, ma'am. Whenever anybody asks me, like, for specific tips and tricks, I'm like, I don't know how to tell you guys that if I went back in time, I would probably do it differently. But I didn't really have a lot of options. So I did what I could do, and that's what I got. And here I am. Like, I just, like, there's no further explanation. Like, there's only so many things that I can say because I didn't try everything. Like, I didn't take a class. I didn't pay for any type of services. Mm -hmm. I didn't get all the, like, tips and tricks books. Like, I couldn't buy those things. I literally bought, like, a giant-ass study book, and that's what I used, and I used free videos. So I'm like, those are the things that I can recommend, and that's what worked for me, and I did well enough. So, like, I don't know what's going to work for you. This is the information that I got. And it's like all those people who are having people pay for their services, they probably haven't tried every single one of those things. They did whatever worked for them. And then afterwards they were like, I did well. I can profit off of the fact that I did so well. I also, this is, this is going to sound incredibly shady. (laughs) I'm very, very sorry. (laughs) But if you are a lawyer and you are relying on coaching pre-law students and law students to make your income, you have not succeeded. You're not doing what I want to do in life. So why would I take advice from you? That's a mean thing to say, but like, it's true. Yeah. I think the hard thing is people who are trusting these people are trusting them because they are in positions that we are told, that we are taught. These are the kind of people that know what they're talking about and are trustworthy. Mm -hmm. So when they're in positions where they're like seeking out help, they're going to go to these people that seem trustworthy. Mm -hmm. there's There's no guarantee that that person is even actually really good at this or this is the person you should even be talking to like that person might not have like your your goal in mind like they're they're whatever like business oriented and you are like a student right I also just don't think I don't know I think that a lot of the audience of like law talk and law students on other social media platforms tends to be the people who aren't wealthy who don't have generations of lawyers in their family and the way that these coaches instead of like I don't know having a website and like putting up flyers and like the pre-law suite at undergrad universities 
they're using social media to like get clients. That feels particularly like insidious to me. It's it's just weird. Like, I don't know. I I think there's so much information that just does not need to be monetized. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what really bothers me. I mean, it, it all goes back to capitalism. It does. But it was like, capitalism all along. All along, every time. And I don't know. It just, it frustrates me because it's just another, it's truly just another barrier that doesn't need to be there. Right. And I know, see, this is the thing. Because people will ask me, like, will you and Soph talk about tips for the LSAT? tips to succeed in law school and it's like I think that content's really boring yeah I I'm like I I what works for me is not going to necessarily work for you exactly I'm sure me and you have very different approaches to like studying for law school literally I look like a freaking crazy person like I hang everything on the wall (sighs) (laughs) the red string (laughs) yeah no like it's just everyone's gonna be different and my advice is always like you have to find what works for you and there's no better advice than someone telling you like you just got to figure it out yourself and not base what you're doing on what anyone else is doing yeah one always really like trial and error as fuck like Mm -hmm. I took very different studying and like prep approaches first semester to second semester and honestly my grades didn't change like that much but my like retention and my understanding of material changed so much when I studied the way that I did in undergrad like handwriting everything like very visual and like spatial like I need to see things like all out when I went back to that I was like I can keep up like I can keep up with this and that's something that I think people tend to like make the mistake in doing is like truly trying like something completely different that's like never worked for them like I typed first semester I've never typed notes for a class in my entire life I don't know why I did this but I did and like it was so hard for me at the end of the semester to be like what did I learn like it was great for copying and pasting making an outline but I was like what the fuck is this like what is this I think it can also differ for classes like there are classes where I would love to handwrite notes I would love to handwrite notes the professors talk way too damn fast for me to ever handwrite notes so it's like you just have to do what works for you in that particular situation yep And part of law school, and I really do think that this might be like intentional, is you really have to learn who you are as a person. Oh yeah. And that shit is scary. And you have to learn what works for you because like, otherwise you will be treading water the entire time. Yeah. I I really feel like so much has like come out during this time. And I mean, maybe it's because all of our prefrontal cortexes are finally, like, fully loading. But I'm like, damn, there's a lot of shit going on <laughs> outside of school. I'm like, it's just so much going on all the time. 
And I'm like, why am I, why am I processing all of this while going through like already a very hard situation? It's real bad. I think especially not only am I, I coming to the point in my life where like prefrontal cortex is ripe. <laughs> yes, ripe is not the right word. It's ready to be uh, cracked open like an avocado and just like take my brain out like the pit. Um, you know, like my prefrontal cortex, it's maturing, right? But it also like law school is a very, it changes the way your brain works. I think it changes you as a person. And all of that is happening at the same time as like a global pandemic. And then like an insurrection, the Supreme Court deciding they're just going to like blow themselves up. It's just it's a lot to feel like I'm becoming who I am as a person at the same time as like the world is melting down and like is our profession even going to be a profession in 50 years who knows who knows there might be no jobs at all just a straight anarchy I don't think that there will ever stop being a need for lawyers because people are always going to get in fights but I could see like it looking like a drastically different profession in 50 years mm-hmm. and that is scary it is this was such an existential tangent <laughs> we're like don't pay for LSAT services the world is falling apart <laughs> But yeah, I just have a hard time not blocking them because I think a lot of them try to act like they're part of law talk and they're not. I'm just wondering what value are they truly providing? Right. Because they could just make, they could make a little video. They could do a tips and tricks little video. Because they're making a bunch of content to promote their services. So they're putting that effort in already. And they could just be putting that effort into making videos that share their knowledge. But they just, they care about the money. Just do the service. Just do the service. Yeah. I think there are people who are only on Law Talk for the money. And I think it's very obvious to me. I think it's probably very obvious to other creators. But I don't think it's it's obvious to the to the audience. I don't think so either. Well, guys, lots to cut out and edit. <laughs> lots lots will be cut out. But the gist, the little wrap up, is that uh, law school coaches are unnecessary. Everything they have to tell you can be found for free online. They're Ooh. predatory. Um. The world is ending. The future of the legal profession is unstable. And me and Sophia have right prefrontal cortexes. Yeah, we're developing. We're we're mid-20s. We're at the finish line. Yeah, I'm 25. I'm about to be there. Yeah. You know what? Everyone's like, oh, your brain finally finishes developing. Then you get kicked off your parents' insurance. Guess what? My parents never had insurance. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I didn't have to worry about that. Only up from here. <laughs> You're like, I've had to figure out my own benefits package already. Thank you very much. <laughs> I did at 18 years old. So. We love state insurance. <laughs> sure was. Anyways, um, this was fun. Join us next week where we'll be probably editing out just as much. Yeah, because we're going to be talking about big law. So The 1L to big law pipeline. Ooh. Stay tuned. Like, comment, subscribe. <laughs> <laughs>